Hey, welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope it encourages you and reminds you that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. We are going to continue this series, Grace Grows. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to open our eyes, reveal Jesus to us afresh and anew, so that the love of Jesus would transform us today. Ephesians chapter 3 is the verse that we're going to start from. Verse 18 says this, And you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Holy Spirit, open our eyes afresh and anew in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want us to, to, I want our attention drawn to these words that Paul uses be, because Paul gives dimensions of the love of God that, that are only accessible if you're not looking from the outside. The outside look will always be limited. This is an experiential place of, of Paul speaking about the love of God. You know, Harvard and Yale were, were founded as launching centers for the gospel. The, the, these universities were, were founded with the purpose of training and sending men and women with the, with the good news of Jesus Christ. But at some point, there was a transition from living from the, the place of knowing and living in the love of God to looking from the outside as an academic and simply learning and, and, and observing and looking but not living in. Paul said that, that his prayer for us is that we would have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide, how long, how high, and how deep. These are dimensions that are only seen and understood when you're inside. When you are experiencing, where it is a fresh place of understanding the goodness and the way that God loves us. It cannot be accessed. You, this prayer that Paul prays for you and I, we don't get this. We can't access it unless we're in it. Unless there's a step of receiving the gift of the grace of God. This is the place that we grow. You know, it's not enough that, that, that we come and we, we learn. I don't want our time to be simply a, an academic time. There must be a place of transformation that faith in your heart grows. This is the place that, that, I, that I got to know, and I remember what it was to strive and to work so hard to free myself from pornography. I was in seminary in Sweden, and at that time, like, it, it, was, it was such an eye-opening experience to live in Sweden, and, and pornography was more accessible than, than I ever thought it could. It doesn't compare to anything to today. But at that time, 1996, 1997, it was like in your face. 
main channels of TV, when, when after the, the, the local news ended, the, the 10 o'clock news would end, and the next thing that would be on TV was pornography. And I was bound to it in seminary. And I was trying everything I could. I was memorizing scripture. I was praying. I was doing everything I could, working and working and just thinking, if I, could just, if I can just memorize a little more, if I can do a little more, then God, your power is going to fill me. You're going to meet me in that, but I, I know I can do it. I was trying. I remember riding my bike because uh, I'd ride my bike to school, and I'd ride my bike, and there would be billboards of sc scantily clad, clad women, and, and I would think, like, as I'm riding my bike, don't look at the billboard. Don't look at the billboard. And then there was a service, much like today, where there was an invitation, much like there will be today, where there was a prayer team that was available, and there was a call that said, hey, if you're struggling, we wanna pray with you. Or if you're in the middle of something that seems beyond you, God's grace wants to meet you today. And my heart stirred, and there was hope that filled my heart. You see, th this is where we have to take the step from just learning to experiencing. We're taking a step into the love of God, into the grace of God. And I went forward because I was done striving. I was done. I was worn out trying to do it myself. And I got to the front. And, and at first I was very relieved because the prayer partner that was there, this is in Sweden, he was an older man. And, and some of that older generation, they didn't speak English. And so I got up there and I was like, this is awesome. I can confess to anything and he will have no idea what I'm saying. And so I started, I started talking to him and just saying everything in English. And I, but I had a good, a good grasp of the Swedish language. And so like a few moments into it, I felt the Lord say, nope, that's not opening your heart. And I was like, oh, okay. But he's had a good life. I don't need to weigh him down. I don't want to run his days, an old man. I, I can't do that to him. And, and the Lord just kept, just kept drawing me, just inviting me to allow him to step in. And so I began to, to confess my sin in Swedish. I began to confess and just say, I, I've tried everything and nothing works. And the grace of God met me that day. And it's never been the same. And that doesn't mean that I walked out and that was my last time of looking at pornography or I never looked at pornography again. I want you to know there was a fresh understanding that I have a safe place to run to when I do fail. That the posture of God had been altered in my heart. That I no longer saw God's eyes as disappointed and angry. But I saw his arms as open and his eyes filled with kindness and his eyes filled with goodness saying, I have all you need. This is the place that we're called to live from. Colossians 2 says, as you have received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. And we do this with salvation. It's accessible. We can see it much easier in salvation. It's easier for us to say, 
God, I believe your grace is there to save me from my sins, that I would be birthed into the kingdom of God, that I would live for eternity with you in heaven. We, we, that's, a, that's a much more accessible place of faith for so many of us than the failures that we have in, in life. And day after day, as a believer, going, oh, I know he's disappointed in me now. And I want to define grace for us so that we can experience it afresh and anew today. The, the, the best definition that I have seen of grace and compiled for us today is this. Grace is the undeserved, unmerited kindness and favor of God. Undeserved, unmerited kindness and favor of God. Grace can be so poorly defined. There was a pastor that defined grace as the oars that God gives us in life. And we're, we're rowing against the current of sin. And God, by, by his goodness, gives us oars so that we can row against and that we would make it to heaven if we simply row hard enough. And that is a horrible, horrible, 100% wrong definition, definition of the grace of God. Because it, th that would entail us stepping into eternity, either going, God, I rode so good. Thank you that you gave me those oars, but I I'm, I'm, I'm just a great rower. I'm so strong. And the word tells us when we stand before Jesus, we're not going to be doing so boasting about us. We're going to look at the nails in his hands and the nails in his feet, his side, and we're going to say, it's all you. You met me. You pursued me. And it's by your power that I stand. If it was about the oars, it wouldn't be amazing grace. It would be amazing us. And it's not. It's amazing him. It's amazing grace. So the first thing that I want us to see is grace is undeserved. Ephesians 4, or excuse me, Ephesians 2, verse 4 says, But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Now, now think about that statement right there. He said, even though we were dead, so there's a reality, but God's not focused on that part. He gave us life because it's about him. He raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Verse 8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. Or excuse me, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. It's undeserved. This place that, that, of desperation that, that I was at when I received Jesus is the same place of desperation that I'm at as I cry out for him today. The strength that, that I need that to, to overcome these places 
that raise their head. Man, like this week, Ann and I were having a conversation and our time together is like, we tell the kids, stay inside. We're going to the gym and the gym is our garage. And that's, that's Ann and I's time. I guess when you're in your 40s, that's a hot date. You go in the garage. <laughs> that's what you got. You got six kids and you just, you just make it work. So we're getting a workout in and, and, and we're getting towards the end of the workout. And Anna sweetly goes, Josh, I just, I just feel like we, we just have not done a good job Sabbathing this year. Like, I don't know if we've had a, a real Sabbath this year. I got so mad. I was like, what, how dare you? You have heard me preach about the Sabbath. I tell people that I Sabbath. How dare you call me out? I really got upset. And, but what, 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 what was that? You have my wife who is going, hey, our family needs help. And, and if you've been here for any length of time at all, I, I love to preach about the Sabbath. I love to preach and talk about the principle that we stop and we cease from our labor. We cease from the pace that surrounds us and we say, Lord, unless you fill our family with strength. I, I acknowledge today that everything in my life is from you. And so I'd rather have six days that, that are, are, are seven days blessed rather than seven days by my strength that my life would be blessed. And so th this is something, but we, we have been in this pace and life has gotten busy. And so she was completely on the money about this. But my pride rose up because I didn't like being called out on something. I took it personal. And so I barked back at her like, what are you talking about? We Sabbath like once, <laughs> but it was a good Sabbath. And you know what? The transformation that my wife needs, she is simply trying to help our family. And my pride rose up to say, no, you can't help our family because that, that hurts and that means that I'm not the leader that I thought I was. And that's not, I'm not the leader that I preached that I was. Because I'm a pastor, Anna, so what if somebody found out that I preach about Sabbath, but, but, but I'm not doing it the way that I should? This is the place that the revelation of the grace of God transforms our life. Because sin nature, our human nature, is to do what Adam and Eve did. We hide. And we do not go to the place that we're transformed. We run and we hide with our brokenness. We run and we hide with our pride. And we say, okay, what I'll do is I'll get it fixed. And then I'll invite the Lord into it. Instead of living from the reality, Lord, I don't deserve this. Here's a great example of it. But you said that grace is given freely. It's not about whether I deserve it or not. You've already made the statement that it's for me. So I receive it. I look to you. Grace is undeserved. Number two, grace is unmerited. You cannot work for it. You simply must receive it. Romans 3.23 says, For everyone has sin. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. 
For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. You can't work to, to earn this. You cannot work to, to this place, strive to this place of being pleasing to God that then, it, it, this is not a transactional place. This is a place that everything that we need has been paid in full. God provides. There's an incredible story of a, of a, a pastor that, that was born in the, the early 1900s. His name is Evie Hill. He pastored a great church in Los Angeles, and, and when he was young, he told his mom, Mom, I believe God's called me to pastor. And, and she, she jumped at that and said, yes, you will. You're going to go to college, and you're going you're gonna to pastor. And as, as he grew up, the, his awareness of what his surroundings looked like and what culture looked like Growing up in a very, very low-income family, growing up as a minority, it did not look like he was going to have the opportunity to go to college. And every time he would tell his mom, Mom, I'm still going to be a pastor, but, but I'm not going to, I don't see a way I can go to college. She would meet, it, meet that with these words. Son, Evie, God will provide. And she would fill his mind, fill his heart every time that doubt would try to creep up. And he'd say, I, I, Mom, I... I'm not going to be able to go to college. She would say, Evie, God will provide. So much so that he registered for college without having a penny. He had nothing to his name, no chance of being able to, to pay for tuition. And as he's standing in line at the registrar's office, her words are just ringing in his heart. God will provide. And, and he's in that wrestle of going, I'm going to run because I don't have anything and it's almost my turn and, and people are, are finishing in front of him and he moves up in line and he gets to his turn in line and he, he literally is in that resume. He turns to, to leave and a man steps up and places a wad of money in his hands and looks him in the eyes and says, son, God will provide. And so now he's there and he hands the money over. It's the exact amount for his tuition, paid in full. See, when God says that his grace is given freely, there's no fine print. And the enemy wants to fill our minds with fine print to keep us from receiving from the grace of God. Romans, Romans 11.6 says, And if by grace it's no longer of works... Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it's no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. If you understood that, good. <laughs> I tried, I wrote a, a translation for me because I looked at that and I said, I, I need to understand that better. This is a hard one. So I substituted the word free for the word grace and the word earned for works. So this is the Ocean Church translation of Romans eleven six, And if it is free, then it is not earned. Otherwise, free is no longer free. But if it is earned, it is no longer free. Otherwise, earned is no longer earned. Isn't that good? It's a little better? All right. All right, good. Sometimes I just need some help. I don't know about you. The grace of God is free. We don't have great understanding about this. You know who gets this really well? Our kids. 
So our neighborhood had this uh, fishing tournament. And our kids were not in the fishing tournament, but there was a fishing tournament that happened. And, and then at the end of the tournament, they, they brought a snow cone truck up to the clubhouse where the swimming pool was, the community pool. And so our kids were there swimming and, and kids, they just, they can smell like these trucks when they, they get close. It's like their radars just kind of go up like, Lord, you're moving here. Where is it? So they, they see, and they're like, Dad, there's snow cones. And Anna and I, we tried our best. We're like, we got freezies at home. Like, you know, that's not, that's not going to work. And so they go up to the truck. And here's the reality. If you had participated in the, the uh, tournament, then it was, it was free. If you had been part of the fishing tournament, then the snow cones were, were complimentary of that. And so, but we didn't. And so they're in line, and it was so funny. They, they got to the front, they got their snow cones, and the people at the truck just thought they were part of the fishing tournament. And so they turned around, they're like, Dad, they're free! It's free! And they were so happy. And you know what? I don't, I don't want to mess with that. And just so that you, your pastor went and paid for their snow cones. I saw some of your eyes like, what did you do there? <laughs> So that is an area of, like, grace is working in me. There, there's a joy that, that is accessible in life when we understand that the grace of God is free. There's a delight in life that God has created us to live with when we don't live in this striving place of, 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 of going to God and saying, God, I got, I got this ugly brokenness, and look, I know I can pay for it. I, I know I can, I can memorize enough scripture and I can, I can do good and, and I'll help my neighbor and I won't flip off that person as that cuts me off in traffic. I can, I can put together, I can stack a few good weeks in, God. And then I know that you'll, you'll meet me with what I need. And he's saying, I, I already did. It's undeserved, it's unmerited, and it's out of who he is. The statement of Jesus Christ. See, this word grace, this Greek word, is the word haris. And th this word, that grace is the kindness and the favor of God, that is true as a biblical definition, but there's a cultural definition that when this word was spoken, when it was written, that culturally people would understand outside of a church context that that, it, that, that word meant something else as well. It meant that there was a three-party transaction that had happened. Greek-speaking uh, individuals would know that that word for grace meant that, that there was three people involved in a transaction. And the Greeks would know that, okay, there was a patron, there's someone who had goods, had what was needed. There was a client, someone who needed goods, so let's say that it's shoes. There's someone who needed shoes and there's someone who has shoes. But that there was a third party that was a broker and this broker lived and was in the community. 
and was aware of the needs that were in the community, was aware, hey, this person needs shoes. And they would go and they would go to the, the, the patron and they would say, this person needs shoes and I'm here to get the shoes. But here, here's the wonderful thing. They, they, they said, um, I, I'm paying for it. I, I'm paying for the shoes. And then I'm going to take these shoes and I'm going to take it to the one that's in need. And, and I hope you're getting ahead of me as I give this cultural definition because this is what Jesus did. Is that he, he didn't just observe you and I, but he became you and I. He didn't just observe the places of need that, that we have. The Word of God tells us that He experienced them all, that He relates and knows every tribulation, every trial, the weaknesses of our lives. He knows our griefs. He knows the brokenhearted places that we, we walk in and we have. He knows the, the, the failures. He knows what it is to be tempted in every area. And then he went to the father and he said, I'm here to pay for everything that they need. And I, I'm, I'm going to take it to them. And so that those who had no ability in themselves to receive what is needed would have it brought to them. And so our posture is what Jesus is pointing to. And we've ended every message in this series and we're going to continue next week ending it the same way. John 6, 29, we're ending it like this. This is the one thing the Father asks of you, to believe in the one he has sent. There's a response for you and I today. There's a response of, of laying down the striving and saying, Jesus, I choose to look at you. I choose to believe that, that you, by the sacrifice of your life, purchased everything I need, not simply for salvation, but for the work of God, the growth of God, the work of grace that today would meet me and transform me today. And so I lay down my striving. I lay down the, the, the work and the mentality that this is a transactional relationship. You know, transactional relationships are, are fed by insecurity. And God's heart for you and I today is that there would be a fresh place of security in knowing how he sees you, how he loves you, and how he is there with everything you need. We simply open our hearts, open our hands, and say, God, here I am. I choose to believe in you. Would you bow your heads with me today? Holy Spirit, I, I simply ask that we would have courage to respond to you. Lord, there are some here that, Lord, they've been wrestling, they've been allowing a weight on their shoulders, on their lives, because they, they don't understand how you see them. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go at every lie that the enemy has spoken to them. 
trying to prevent them from what you have paid for by your blood and what you are there bringing and waiting for us to open our hands and open our hearts to receive. Lord, I pray that shame would be broken. God, I pray that if there are those that, like I was, so wrapped up in shame, Holy Spirit, meet them. Lord, destroy the lie that your eyes are filled with disappointment. God, I pray that they would see your face as you are. Lord, you delight in us as your children. Your arms are open. You're not rejecting. You're inviting us in. God, I pray that today that we would have a fresh understanding how wide, how long, how high, and how deep your love is. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. If you'd like more information or if you'd like to connect with us, visit OceanChurch.com. We love you and hope you join us soon online or at one of our campuses located in Southwest Florida. 